0: Welcome to Sol Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, The Good News, His Story, His Power, presented by Pastor Jason Potter on August
1: 18th, 2019. Here, church. My name is Jason. I'm actually the youth pastor here at Sol Rio. I'm every now and then... Uh, Pastor Floyd gives me a quick, swift kick right out of my comfort zone and onto uh, into the bright lights here on a Sunday morning, and I'm very excited to be here. Um, I kind of feel bad this morning. I don't have anything in the, the ways of opening entertainment. Um, although I am kind of feeling a little dizzy this morning, there's a chance I could take a faceplant right off the stage, so that would probably be pretty entertaining. Um, but other than that, there's no video, no joke, no nothing. Um, and I like jokes. I do, they're fun to tell. I wish I had one, but I don't. Um, it does kind of got me thinking about the age-old uh, question. Uh, do you think Jesus has a sense of humor? Right. I, th- I bet he does. I think he does. Uh, look around. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> And I bet it's a good one, too. It's not one of those churchy senses of humor. Um, I bet he's hilarious, and I, ho- I hope so, because it's not like we can just fake laugh to make him feel good. I'm pretty sure he's gonna gonna know if our laugh is genuine or not. It, the Bible's pretty clear that he can't be fooled. Um, but enough about that. Today's uh, focus is not on Jesus' humor; it's it's actually on His power. So let's uh, let's open with prayer and just ask that He reveals that to us today, Lord Jesus. We just ask that You reveal Your power to us this morning, Lord. That. Uh, that, that every word that touches our heart is from you, and it's because of your power and, and your uh, authority over our lives that, that things make an impact, Lord. So just reveal that to us, be with us this morning. Um, communicate to us in the way that, that, that you've already determined, Lord, and, and let everything be for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. All right, so this series that we're in right now is called His Story, right? Jesus' Story. It's, uh, we're going through the Gospel of Mark. And we're we're focusing on all the characteristics that Mark uh, describes and and all the the ones we find in Jesus and his life and his story as told to us by Mark. So today we're in chapter 2. Now, fair warning here. I'm I'm saying we're in chapter 2. It's going to be a long time before we get there, though, so so be patient. (laughs) Um, But fair warning here. At the end of the sermon, we're going to have a time of invitation. And it's going to be... The classic give your life to Christ invitation. Um, A a couple months ago, um, I explained to you about a class that Zach and I actually took together um, where we were taught about the different types of invitations that you can do at at a church service. Well, this one is just going to be a a straight up altar call. Give your life to Christ if you haven't done so already. Um, So if you have done that, um, right? If you're you're already a fully committed uh, Christ follower and you know exactly who you are in him, then you can just relax a little. You don't have to prepare yourself for the big, scary 20-foot journey to the, the front of, of the church here. Um, however, I hope that you're praying for those who, who are not there yet. If you haven't given your life to Christ, right, I really hope that Jesus himself reveals his power to you this morning and leads you to make that decision. Right, because I think some of you are very close. I think there's some people right here, right now, that have felt God calling them, And you've been on the fence, and you're ready to call out to him for salvation. Now, I am thinking of specific people as I purposely make eye contact with no one. (laughs) Is that judgmental? Maybe. But who cares? Like, Like, seriously, who cares? It's not a shameful or a degrading judgment. It's full of anticipation so that we can all celebrate together as a church when you make that decision and declare that you're a child of God. Right, but that's later. This is now. So let's get to it. Right, his power, the power of Jesus. Uh, now, you know what I love about Mark chapter 2 when it comes to the power of Jesus is he actually states it. and He verbally makes specific claims about the power that he has. It's no longer by demonstration only. So when he demonstrates it, and then he verbally claims it, it's time that we listen. But before we dig into scripture, um, a couple of of questions here just to to reflect on is what comes to mind when you picture Jesus in your thoughts? Is it his compassion? His gentleness? His tenderness? Right, these are all legit characteristics that we read about throughout the Gospels. But what does that image do to uh, do uh, that image of him do when we think about his power? Right? Does it weaken it? Do we mistake this kind, uh, this kindness and this tenderness for weakness? Do we allow his gentleness to shape our image of him as one of a passive person or a passive being? In a sermon by Francis Chan, he made a comment about artwork that always seems to show Jesus petting a sheep. And as he giggles a little bit, he points out that nowhere in any of the Gospels does it actually ever speak of Jesus petting a sheep. So I googled it. I googled Jesus petting sheep. (laughs) (laughs) And sure enough, eight pictures popped right up. Eight pictures of Jesus holding and petting sheep. He's all calm and peaceful like the perfect little petting zoo. All right, so then I Googled the power of Jesus, and only one picture came that was relevant, and he was wearing a crown. So I think in general that we way underestimate the power of Jesus. We look right past his awesomeness and how how awesome his power really is. In Revelation chapter 1, John tells us about when Jesus revealed himself to him, and his current resurrected immortal body. Here are some physical characteristics that he describes. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His voice was like the roar of many waters. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. I would like to see someone paint a picture of that Jesus petting a sheep. Right, holding this little sheep with flames coming out of his eyes. <laughs> right, there is no weakness or passiveness in that picture at all. That is the description of an all-powerful God, our God. So still in Revelation 1, uh, verse 17, this is what John tells us. He says, when I saw him, I fell, at his, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys keys of death and Hades. That is the truth about the power of Jesus that we worship. Jesus is in no way passive about his almighty power, and we should revere him as the amazing power to be reckoned with that he truly is. So still, Delane, going into Mark, um, I want to take a moment and just kind of look at the Gospels in general. Right, so the Gospels are four books in the Bible that tell the life story of Jesus, his story. Right? It's his, his life and ministry is told from four different writers, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, these four books were written to complement one, uh, one another, not, to con- not in contradiction. Unbelievers will pick out little things here and there and call them inconsistencies and try to build a case that the Bible is not true. In reality, from the writer's point of view, they just felt it important to call out details that perhaps the, a different writer did not. Here is a specific example of the different point of view rather than a contradiction. And it's in the number of angels that were present when, when it was discovered that Jesus had been resurrected. Right? Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit Jesus' tomb and were told by an angel that he was not there. Well, in Matthew 28, 5, it says... The angel spoke to the woman, and then you get to John twenty twelve, telling the same story. Says she saw two white robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been laid. So is this a contradiction that should have us questioning the validity of the Bible? No, of course not. Matthew never said that there was only one angel. Right? He just simply said the angel said. John was describing the scene in a little bit more detail, right? Well, well, Matthew's focus on, was bigger focus was on what was said. Matthew also said that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there. John never said anything about the other Mary. It doesn't mean that she wasn't there. He just didn't name it necessary to mention her. So another thing to keep in mind is that the book of John came much later than the other three. Right, It's important because John had the advantage of knowing the other three Gospels, and he was able to write about additional things that they, that they did not cover. And he was able to determine what had already been covered sufficiently. Right, it's no different than if uh, Pastor Floyd, Jeff, and myself all gave a sermon on the miracles of Jesus, and then someone else here later on down the road gave a sermon on the same topic and have heard the other three, they would have the advantage of knowing what had uh, had already been spoken of and, and would have been covered appropriately and determining what could use a little bit better coverage and more detail. All right, so why, uh, why go through all this groundwork of the Gospels? Well, let's just pretend for a moment that Mark is our only account of Jesus' life. All right, let's pretend that we don't already know what we know about all the different ways that Jesus displays his power throughout all of the Gospels. We are only in chapter 2 this morning. Chapter 2. And look at all of the ways he has already displayed his power. He casted out an unclean spirit. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. That same evening, he healed more sick and demon-possessed people. He cleansed a, leopard, a leper, and he made a paralyzed man walk. Right, that's five specific displays of power in just a little over a single chapter. Actually, less than a chapter because much of Mark 1 just talks about how he called the disciples and how, how they were led to follow him. So in less than a chapter, we already see five specific displays of, of his power. But until this fifth miracle that we're about to read right now um, of him healing the, the paralyzed man, right, he has yet to talk about his power. In fact, he, he's done the opposite. He quiets the demons because they know who he is. And he tells the, the leper not to tell anyone. Of course, he did anyway. But he instructed the leper not to tell anyone, right? He's, he's letting his, a, his actions speak for him. He's demonstrating it, and then he states it. So let's finally read some of it. This is what I'm going to be reading from the uh, NST, which is the new Samsung translation. Um, <laughs> my, my friend Paul last night told me that I had to say that, and... I thought he was going to be here, so I was going to appease him, but I'll have to tell him that, that kind of worked out. Um, all right, chapter 2, verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. When he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered this man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking so he asked them, "Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say the paralyzed man, to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or stand up, pick up your mat and walk?" So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, "Stand up, pick up your mat and go home." And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through the door, or walked out through the stunned onlookers. <laughs> And they were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we have never seen anything like this before. So verse 10, I will prove to you that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus has the power to forgive sins and we can't perceive it any other way because he flat out said so. The power to forgive sins might be the greatest of them all, but we're going to coming back to forgiveness a little bit later, right? But, now, that story that we just read has been teached and preached countless times, and there's so many lessons and applications to take away from that, right? You have the miracle itself, you have the faith of the paralytic, you have the, uh, the determination of the friends, and, and many, many more. And remember, today's focus is the power of Jesus, right? And Jesus used his power to perform acts of forgiveness and miracles, just the Gospels themselves tell us about 37 miracles. How do I know it's 37? Well, I wish I could say that I have superior knowledge of the Bible or that I read it hours upon hours each week, but no, it's simply because my study Bible tells me so. All right, see right there, there's 37 of them, all graphed in a nice little chart telling me where to find them. Right, there's this place right up uh, a couple doors down called Believers. They have a ton of these things to choose from. Go get one if you don't have one already. Right, but, of those thirty seven miracles, right, twelve of them uh, were told in three of the gospels, the one that it was that they were excluded from was john 's gospel, probably because he felt three times was sufficient coverage. Six of them were only told by by John, and more miracles that he he wanted to cover that they, the others did not and now side note side note number one this morning. Um, the only miracle that was told by, told by all four gospel writers was Jesus feeding 5,000. So it's probably worth paying a little extra attention to that one. The point being, though, with all these miracles that were witnessed by so many, and the, the fact that they're studied and talked about over 2,000 years later, right, the evidence of Jesus' power is abundant, so when he chooses to verbally state his powers and authorities that he, he has, it's wise to listen and, more importantly, to respond. The other example that this chapter gives us begins in verse 23. All right, so Mark 2.23 says, On the Sabbath day as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days of Abiathar, when Abiathar was high priest. And he broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even over the Sabbath. All right, there's no miracle there, but a very strong statement of power. It says the son of man is Lord even over the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a commandment. The son of man is Lord over the commandments. He rules over the commandments. He gave the commandments. Now, perhaps the most taught upon parable in the Bible is the one of the prodigal son from Luke 15. Right, it's another one of those stories that have so many levels of lessons to be taken away from it, so many ways to apply that in our lives. We recently just spent three full weeks going over that parable at youth group, and we probably didn't even come close to doing it justice just because of, of there's so many aspects to it. But I'm just going to paraphrase it. Right, so in the story, we have three main characters. We have the father and his two sons, The father is a representation of God. The younger son lives a a sinful lifestyle. And the older son sins in the form of self-righteousness. One day, the younger son asked for his inheritance immediately while the father was still alive. Now, in that culture, it was more than just asking for an advance on something that would still be his someday. It wasn't him needing money to make ends meet, and he knew that it was going to be his someday anyway. So he went and humbly asked his dad if he could could have an early payout so that he can can live his life. Um, This was like telling the father, you are dead to me. Right? Give me now what I'm entitled to upon your death. And then we're done with our relationship. Now, the, the father agreed and gave it to him. Side note, two of the morning. Right? Instead of putting the, his foot down and exercising his power and authority, he gave his son the freedom to live his life and to make his own decisions to make his mistake, to learn his own lessons, even though he knew that the lessons were, were going to be costly. Right? So he does it. And the young son, he goes out. He wastes all the money on prostitutes and wild living. And then a famine hits right as he runs out of money and he begins to starve. So he got a job. He's got a job feeding pigs. And he was so hungry that even the, the food, the slabs that he was giving to the pigs, looked good to him. So he finally started coming to a census. He decided that he would go home, he would humble himself, ask his father for forgiveness and mercy in hopes that his father would at least take him back as a, a lowly hired servant. Of course, the father was overfilled with joy. He ran across the field to welcome him back and immediately began a party to celebrate his return. The older, loyal, hardworking, self-righteous son became, became angry of the attention and the treatment that his sinner brother was getting, right? And, he, and when he had been a model son all along, and what about me? What about my attention? Where's my recognition? And the father tells him, You've always been with me. What's mine is yours. This is a joyful occasion. Your brother was lost, and now he's found. And again, so many take. I probably should have just read it. I think the paraphrase was longer than the actual story in the Bible. Um, but uh, but you know, there's so many takeaways from that story. It's brilliant. It really is. But the one to, to focus on this morning comes from what the father told his son in verse 31. And he said, "And he said to him, son." You're always with me and all that is mine is yours. You are always with me. All that is mine is yours. So if you've given your life to Christ, then you are his son, his daughter, his child, and all that is his is yours. Freely given, no cost. That includes his power. Right, the power that we've been talking about this whole time. Right, the power that is demonstrated in 37 miracles. The power that he verbally claimed throughout his ministry. The power that we read of God throughout the entire Old Testament. This awesome, unimaginable power that we read about in Revelation. Right, all of it is his. And he says to his children, all that is mine is yours. Church, be assured that Jesus is not weak. Jesus is not passive, and his power is to never be understated. Of all his power that he has, of all his authority, it's the power and authority to forgive that might just be the most meaningful, at least in our lives, right? Because without that, his death was for nothing. The crucifying, the suffering, the humiliation... Everything that he went to, through to show his love for us, to satisfy God's wrath for the, the punishment of sin that has to, had to have been carried out, all of that was for nothing. Without his forgiveness, we cannot be reconciled to him who is God in the flesh. I and the Father are one, Jesus said. But what if you have not given your life to Jesus. And what if you are not yet included in that statement? All that is mine is yours. Well, here's that time of invitation. Haley and Jeff are going to make their way back up here. And I've got a couple more ref- reflection questions. Where do you stand in accepting all, that all-powerful forgiveness? Where do you stand in recognizing the power of Jesus as God's son? As the one who is given authority and power to forgive your sins. Are you ready to claim that power that he's so willing to bring into your life? So I invite you. If so, if that's your statement this morning, I invite you to start walking up here right now. Literally right now. Make that claim in front of your church family this morning. Let's all pray and rejoice in the miracles that Jesus still displays for us. Anytime somebody gives their life to Christ and makes that statement, it is a miracle that we get to witness, we get to be a part of. Jesus performs miracles in our world today. They're not stories of the Bible. They are stories of the Bible. They're not only stories of the Bible. They're there for us to witness today, to claim today. If you're still thinking about it, we're going to pray for you anyway. It's not like you're going to get out of it. You may as well just come up here. Everything we do, everything we do is in accordance to God's perfect timing and God's perfect timing is displayed for us today. Let's lift our praises up to him right now. Father God, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for the souls that are claiming your majesty here today. Lord, we are humbled by the miracles that you perform in our world. Lord, we are humbled by the miracle that you are performing right now in the hearts of these very, very ladies who walked forward here to claim your majesty in their lives. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness. Pray this prayer with me. Lord, thank you for being my savior. Lord,
0: thank you for being my
1: Thank you for being the son of God with all the power to forgive my sins.
0: Thank you for being the son of God with all the power to forgive my sins.
1: Right here this morning, I claim your forgiveness and I claim myself as your child. Right
0: here this morning, I claim your
1: forgiveness and I claim your forgiveness. That's so long. <laughs> That's perfect. He knows your heart. He knows. I promise. Lord, we love you. Lord, we we give, you praise, we give you praise and thank you for salvation,
0: thank you for
1: salvation. in Jesus name we pray, name we
0: pray. Amen. Amen Thank you for listening and we pray you were blessed by today's message You are invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10am For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events please visit our website at soulrio.com You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.